Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Islamic Finance Guru podcast, Millionaire Muslim. And this is uh, a day of firsts because we're actually doing our first live podcast where we have the man uh, that many people would like to meet in the flesh, <laughs> Iqbal Naseem, uh, who's the uh, founder of NZF, the National Zakat Foundation, uh, which has grown uh, from very humble beginnings. I mean, I think you were doing this part-time at the start, right? And then it's just mushroomed into, mashallah, this incredible thing. You've, uh, you know, you've converted a synagogue into, mashallah, uh, you know, a fantastic location next to the ELM uh, that serves, uh, I think, tens of thousands now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Iqbal, do you want to just basically tell us, in a nutshell, what, what is NZF and what's it all about? Sure. So the um, National Zakat Foundation is the only... Uh, Zakat-focused sort of institution in the country, in fact, uh, and what makes us unique is our exclusively local focus. Yeah. Um, so since the beginning, the premise was that uh, we would collect and distribute the zakat of Muslims in this country uh, to uh, Muslims in this country, basically. Um, so that's that's pretty much uh, you know the, the underlying what we're doing. And now, alhamdulillah, we have uh, close to twenty sort of full and part-time staff, wow. um, and uh, we. Collect and distribute around three and a half million pounds of zakat wow, okay. uh, each year. And is it and and do you have uh, bases across the country, or is it primarily focused in London? I know like a lot of Muslims live in London. Yeah, I mean we don't really have much physical infrastructure outside of London, um, but we have a lot of work that we do outside of London. So right. a lot of the services that we provide and the grants that we provide, we're able to provide. Um, regardless of the kind of physical kind of infrastructure. So it's mostly like a remote model of distribution anyway. Right, I see, I see. And um, just, I mean, this is uh, this is a question because, I mean, I, I know you for the last four or five years now, mashallah, but for our listeners, one, could you give us one interesting thing about yourself that um, people probably don't know about? Well, I'm not very interesting, so uh, <laughs> I, don't really, I, don't, I don't really have many interesting things to say. Uh, the the one thing that always comes to mind when I when asked this question is uh, I, I've done the uh, I've done the biggest bungee jump in the world. Really? So uh, where was that? In South Africa. So really? that, at that time in two thousand and seven, it was the uh, it was the highest uh, commercial bungee jump in the world. I think since then there's one higher, but I'll never do it again. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's about as interesting as it gets. I'm afraid. How how did you? Because I I'm actually going um, on a holiday to Zambia this okay, summer, right. and um, we'll be going to the Victoria Falls, and apparently mm-hmm. there's there's some crazy bungee jumps there. Sure, sure. And and like I've done my research and apparently it's quite safe. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just safe, it's safe. It's it's safe, but it's probably uh but obviously to have the courage to actually go over yeah. the edge is uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you see those videos where they just like all plunge into the river underneath and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well good luck with that. <laughs> Inshallah. Well hopefully I'll survive. Um so NZF obviously now is Quite, you know, a successful martial organization. Um, as you said, three and a half million pounds that you raise every year. You've got, um, you know, infrastructure in place now to really grow. But where did this all start? And mm-hmm. I know you came from a city background and uh, you studied at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So tell us, I mean, I don't know where the best place in your story it is to start, mm-hmm. uh, but tell us, you know, how you got here. Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, I studied economics and management at university, and then I spent a few months abroad before I started working full time. And I was working in uh, in investment banking, the equity research department. Right. So that's basically the area where you basically study companies and you uh, you value them basically, and then you make investment recommendations to clients and internally within the um, 
within the firm as well. So I did that for around five years. Um, and towards the end of that period, I kind of felt a, this annoying sort of feeling that I wasn't really using my time for the, uh, in, in the, suppose, the most optimal way. Hmm. Um, and from a young age, I'd always had this kind of upbringing of being involved in various Muslim community kind of yeah. activities and trying to initiate, you know, useful projects and, I suppose, uh, provide solutions to even small problems in the kind of local area. So um, whilst working in that, in that environment, that wasn't as easy to kind of continue. So I had this annoying feeling that I should really be doing something else. So I tr started towards the end of 2010 uh, exploring opportunities for doing something else, basically. And so I came across, uh, in that process, I came across an organization called Mercy Mission, yeah. um, which actually initiated National Zakat Foundation. So it's not quite correct to say that I was the founder of the National Zakat Foundation, right. uh, but I was effectively the first sort of full-time staff member. So I actually left my job in the middle of 2011, right. actually for a voluntary position within Mercy Mission. So this actually really? wasn't initially, it wasn't for within National Zakat Foundation uh, in the first instance, but it was just to kind of get in, to join this group of people who had, you know, were doing interesting kind of projects, hmm. uh, trying to do things professionally, but with a kind of, um, you know, like a grounded uh, ethos, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Are and you paid for this or? Was no, it so initially it was, it was literally I, yeah, just but I was that uh, desperate to get a get out if you like wow. what the environment I was in yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not actually because the specific role I was involved in it's not because I I, I was comfortable that this was a lawful form mm. of work yeah this particular aspect of what I was doing yeah it I, did, so much I didn't want to ask you that because yeah sure yeah. It, um, but it was it wasn't so much that it was more that I wanted to be, be doing something which I felt was purposeful and uh, aligned to I suppose you know our overall kind of worldview mm. in a more you know mm. in a closer way um, so yeah, so I wasn't the founder, but I started at Mercy Mission in a different role. The National Zakat Foundation actually was launched that same year, in 2011, by some of the guys within uh, Mercy Mission. Um, and then towards the end of the year, it was kind of clear that there was not, re not really anybody to take it on properly and fully. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's when I kind of then became a sort of effectively the first sort of full-time staff member at the end of 2011. So it's just, you know, just over seven years now. Wow, okay. And and then what did you do? I mean, I, I, I'm really interested to hear how... Um, I mean, this was presumably your first institution building exercise. Yeah. And I think for our audience, we get lots of people who uh, want to do charitable ventures, but also, mm. you know, uh, commercial ventures. Mm. And I think there's probably a lot of skills that you you can impart to mm. them and from your experiences. So what kind of things do you think really worked for you in, in growing this thing? Yeah, I think in the first instance, I think it was just to really... Um, Try to clarify what the proposition was. What mm. are we saying? So just like your key statements that define like who you are as an organisation, what you're trying to do, um, and then to think of, I suppose, uh, you know, authentic but also creative ways of conveying that to people to elicit their sort of support and backing. Um, and alhamdulillah, you know, for the first few years, especially given the novelty of the whole thing, yeah, you know, we had I think quite a lot of success. I think a lot of people in the last couple of years, you know, would always say to me that the NZF. Uh, NZF brought a bit of a culture shift within the Muslim charity space generally. I see, so right. it kind of increased the extent to which people were thinking about, um, like, sort of local, yeah, uh, yeah, local yeah. work, if you like. Yeah. Um, and that's so, what I really like about, you know, NZF. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, so I would say, look, for, for, for five out of, say, the seven years so far, like, a lot of it was simply that kind of, I suppose, constant building and scaling, if you like, um, of our ability just to deal with more and more, you know, applicants um, uh, and applications, because we are, we are now, I mean, now, for example, we receive, you know, in the range of three to 400 applications each month. Wow. You know, okay. which, so that's, I mean, 2019, 2020, you know, that's 5,000, 
possibly 5,000 yeah. more than 5,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. So it's quite a lot to deal with, you know? Yeah. In the grand yeah. scheme of things, it's quite a small number, but actually if you think of that as a volume, it's mm. quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of years, the journey has kind of gone, it's been quite accelerated and it's gone deeper to think about really what is the purpose of zakat. You know? right. And I suppose I had this through various experiences and interactions that I had, the question, the sort of self-questioning around you know, the activities of the organization and the extent to which they were aligned with hmm. uh, the deeper purpose of zakat, yeah, whatever that was or is, like that was something that can then really, um, hmm. if you like, uh, encapsulated me. So that's for the last couple of years, you know, that's been the journey. And then that's resulted in quite a few changes that we brought about, you know, over the last 12 months or so. Interesting. Well, we'll get to them. Um, I want to talk about, I mean, what is zakat in the first place? Yeah. What are the, you know, the key um, principles behind it, etc.? Yeah. So I suppose the short answer to that is, uh, obviously we know that it's a pillar of Islam, we know there's an individual obligation to pay this certain amount, and we know that in the Qur'an uh, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accompanies salat, uh, zakat and salah together all the time. So 28 times salah and zakat are mentioned together in the Qur'an. There, is a, there must be a significance to that um, as to why these two uh, pillars are kind of constantly mentioned together. Um, if we look at uh, the higher purpose of zakat, then why has Allah instituted this particular thing? Uh, my answer now would be that the reason that this has been instituted is for the believers to have a way in which to uh, organize, pool, and, and distribute a, a minimum proportion of their res- collective resources right. for their collective benefit. Hmm. It's as simple as that. So it's a little bit like the way I like to describe it so people can understand it really simply. It's like a membership fee, yeah. basically. It's like a membership fee to Club Islam. Yeah, as part of being a Muslim, yeah, right. like you say the Shahada, yeah. Yeah. that entails certain things. Salah and Zakah hmm. is the first thing that that actually entails. You turn up for your prayers, ideally together, hmm. right, and and you pay your Zakah, ideally together. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. so the idea is that it's actually, it's a communal resource and not an individual act of charity. And that's, I think, the key distinction that we're trying to get Muslims in this country to understand. Interesting. And, and it's uh, for Muslims, right? Zakat isn't? For non-Muslims, or right, this is debated because it depends on yeah. uh, it depends on a lot of different things. I think the kind of normative classical position is that the first in the first instance, zakat is paid by Muslims, received by Muslims, hmm. and that's easy to understand in the kind of analogy of the club because the right. first beneficiaries of the membership fees and the, or the, the income Muslim, from yeah. the from any members of any club are the, yeah. is the membership. Yeah, 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 but that's not to say that those outside of that particular membership don't yeah. benefit from their presence and their existence. Yeah. So, um, and do you know? I mean, this is just purely out of interest because I was thinking about this recently. Do you know what the like the nusus, the Quran and the Sunnah behind it being solely for Muslims, where that derives from? Um, I mean, I'm probably putting you on the spot. No, no. So it's not so much. I don't, it's not so much necessarily. For, I don't think there's any particular verse that one could draw on to say this is like you know this necessarily Muslim, indicates yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but if you look at um, if you look at the uh, the kind of then the, the work of say jurists over the course yeah, of over the yeah. course of time, right? But it also, as I said, it aligns with the idea that what is the point of this? You can see, actually, Zakat is not even it's not even correct necessarily to say that it's for Muslims. Mm. Yeah, it's for Islam. Mm. Yeah, Zakat is for Islam. Okay, Zakat, yeah. when we say Zakat is a pillar of Islam, yeah. Okay, um, most Muslims understand that only in the context of their individual obligation. Like for me to be a Muslim, I need to pay this, so I have upheld my Islam. Yeah? yeah, but if you understand zakat, even and the other pillars, and if you zoom out and you look at the macro kind of situation or look at a communal situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. then actually the purpose of zakat is to uphold Islam in society. 
Right. Right. Now, the point is, is that as far as the individual welfare uh, mm. kind of components of the zakah recipients are concerned, the p- purpose of zakah being used to deal with those particular, call it socio-economic considerations, yeah. is in order to secure the worldly um, situations of believers so that those problems don't become uh, sources of weakness in their belief and in their belonging to the community, right? Mm. So that's the you know first thing to kind of understand that so how is zakah securing islam in that sense is doing yeah. it by protecting the belief or the belonging and the connectedness between believers members of this club so mm. that it doesn't become disaggregated and people aren't left to fend for themselves and people aren't then left to go and see, look for their solutions frankly right. you know elsewhere yeah, yeah. in such a way that undermines their um, their own confidence belief etc yeah so i think that's important now zakat can have the direct and indirect beneficiaries could be, you know, other than Muslims, mm. right? But that's typically going to be outside of your areas of where we're talking about the social welfare stuff. Yeah. Because the purpose of the social welfare side of things is to secure, if you understand it, securing the belief and the belongingness of Muslims. You have to have been, you have to be there in the first place, right? right. But outside of the social welfare side of things, um, you have other kind of considerations, right? Where even classically, then people would. It's debated, but there are certain kind of narrations around the prophetic practice of, for example, sending money to certain tribal leaders who are not yet, uh, who had not yet sort of, um, if you like, uh, joined. Accepted, or, yeah, uh, yeah, accept, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but in order to, for example, ward off their uh, ward off their harm, right, or incline their hearts, yeah. So there's like one category of zakah recipients. There are eight um, yeah. stipulated in the yeah, Quran. Yeah. Is those whose hearts are to be won over or reconciled, yeah. Yeah? yeah, and that's a hugely debated, and there's a lot of diverse opinion about what that actually means. Right. Um, most people conventionally understand that. Oh, that's for that means it's for converts. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a possible angle to that as well, um, but uh, but even then you talk you, then you talk about Muslims anyway, right? Right. Uh, so. It's possible for the direct beneficiaries to be other than Muslims. However, yeah. the, ultimately speaking, we're talking about this is servicing the cause of the faith, if you mm. like. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is a fascinating area. And I think I have, I have some sympathies for having, you know, not a really dogmatic approach to, mm. you know, the eight categories. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's, th- there's two questions that arise. One is, you know, you don't want, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it eight mm. categories. Mm. So that's presumably because he wants it to be, you know, mm. uh, limited to, to something. Mm. Um, so what is that limitation and what's the, like, the distinction between zakah and sadaqah? Mm. But also li- linked to that, who is the arbit- who, who decides mm. here? Because a, lo- a lot of this, frankly, is very interpretative. Mm. And, of course. You know, as we but then most of the religions. Fine, yeah. yeah. So the thing is, is that, you know, there is no, there, there is no, is almost no single, even small detail aspect of prayer, or salah, or zakah, or frankly, mm. I forget anything else, yeah. right? Where there is not a diversity of opinion about, right. you know, about that mm. particular mm-hmm. sub, uh, you know, part of that kind of whole action, right? Yeah. So on every aspect of zakah, like even fundamental, the fundamental disagreements about major things, which actually in today's term would have swings of millions of pounds or dollars, right? Right. right, right. Yeah, what yeah, would yeah. or would not be paid, yeah, for example, yeah. yeah. yeah? So like Nisab, for example, huh? things, yeah, Nisab, exactly, Nisab, exactly. And there's a whole loads of questions around that. But the issue isn't that there is a diversity of opinion. The issue actually is one of uh, unity and leadership. Yeah. Mm. So we suffer in this country at the moment from the fact that we don't have uh, 
sort of any leadership around which we are sort of united, right. yeah, who could then take this decision and have a certain authority to take those decisions. It's as if authority, in a way, simply authority at the moment, as far as, you know, in charity world, if you, if you like, you know, from the ability to collect resources, is a function not of any of principles or vision or anything like that. It's just a function of your ability to market well. Right, yeah. Yeah. And... That's a problem, yeah? So the resources of Muslims are not actually at the moment being unified for any genuine collective purpose, mm. yeah? It's just random haphazard, so everyone does what they want, basically. But then, it unfortunately, spe- and that's a symptom, actually. It's not. Um, it's a symptom of the fact that we don't have at the moment, unfortunately, really any sense of common vision, common cause, mm. right? And then if we did, or if we were to be able to entrust an authority, now NZF, uh, you know, I'm asked this question, is NZF therefore the authority? Who are you to do this, basically? Why should you be the authority? I didn't say we should. We're mm. trying to fill a gap. If someone else decides to try and do that, and that that meets with the the support of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, then fine, you know, so be it, yeah? Mm. Um, but, uh, but at the moment, we're trying to fill a gap. So NZF as an institution may or not, may or may or may not become like, an authority or a leading institution. I mean, I would say, I would argue, frankly, I mean, because the bar is quite low, to be fair, at the moment, yeah? So to some degree, just by being, by being even a small-sized institution, I've yeah. only been around for a few years, it has a degree of authority. Right, in certain, I don't think there's in, many so, people in the local NZF, but in the Zakar Well, there is no one in the local yeah. Zakar space in any significant yeah, yeah. matter. But also, also, if you go beyond that and you look at who's actually, in terms of grant, in terms of utilising funds for any UK-based mm. thing, I mean, I can yeah. tell you, day after day, I come across... Not just individual people who are in poverty and difficulty, that's one yeah. thing, yeah? But, you know, institutions, uh, kind of, pe- institutions, people are trying to develop themselves, you know, people who could uh, need all sorts of different types of support, you know, from the community, right? They don't, uh, they're unable to get that. So actually, there's very few, I mean, aside from ourselves, you have, uh, you know, there's, for example, there's other family, found- there's one or two family foundations, some of the international relief organizations have, like, decent-sized UK kind of budgets now, right, okay. which is a good which is a good thing and a positive thing. Hmm. But there's like three or four, typically, that are involved in almost all of the grant funding for any kind of UK infrastructure, I mean, outside of, say, mosques and mosque development, right. any of the significant infrastructure that we require. Hmm. So, um, so, yeah, there are lots of decisions to be made that may split opinion, hmm. but they, they all fall within... They will fall within the realms of validity yeah. and the realms of what has been classically as well as in contemporary terms approved of. So sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, we are uh, we are hair splitting on the details and losing the bigger picture. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and look, I think there's in a, we're in a bit of an inflection phase. I think as a Muslim community, and y- you know, you you almost have to sometimes educate people. Uh, about about how things should be um, and how Islam actually says something is mm. and and you need to I think as a you know to, to a very small extent with IFG you have large uh, differences of opinion you've got pockets of people with different views how do you kind of um, how do you kind of address that how do you do you try and bring everyone on board um, you know, how, how does that whole thing work? I mean, this is something that'll be interesting for us because obviously with mm. Islamic mortgages or something like that, or even Zagad, frankly, that's mm. you know, part of our remit as well, there's, there's such a diversity of view and you ultimately have to take one view. You can't just say, you know, I don't know. Yeah, right? well, um, you, can take a broad, you, can take a broad, you can take a broad view in terms of principles, 
which then may have a variety right. or a diverse set of specific applications. Yeah. yeah? Um, I think that in these situations, like, yeah, one has to take, like, there's no, um, in my experience, a brief, uh, albeit, right, but there's no, there is a little merit in, uh, I suppose, ongoing sort of debating around the specific yeah. kind of principles. Like, they all, there comes a certain point at which certain, like, on certain as certain views, on certain issues, sorry, views will be per- almost permanently kind of polarised, and that's where it is. Yeah. So, for example, you know, one where, one where we have a significant amount of contention, and I think it's a really big issue for us to, um, for Muslims to think about, is when uh, when Allah says that uh, one of the zakat categories is fi sabilillah, mm. yeah, which translates as, literally translates as God's way or God's cause. Um, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, if you look at it, the question basically is, is that are we just going to look at how this was manifested classically and then say, well, only if we have this same the same outward manifestation of this particular kind of category, right? Right. Then we can re- re- we can replicate that today. So classically, this was actually to do with like military expenditure. Hmm. Okay. But you're talking about here, like, or you're talking obviously here in the context of, you know, empires, fu- fully formed kind of communities with uh, with the leadership and everything else. Hmm. Where, um, where if you like the um, uh, the necessity, the ability, and the necessity to do to do to spend for that particular purpose, just as nations spent on their kind of defense budgets today, was perfectly fine and valid and, and an important use of resources at the time. Yeah. Now, in our particular context, is there something called God's cause or God's way, if you like, that requires investment from us yeah. Yeah, in order for that particular thing to be furthered? Because mm. the purpose of that is for belief in him to be protected, right, and for... Um, uh, so for, for belief in him to be protected and to be promoted, right? Yeah. Uh, so are there things that we should be doing in order to further that? Are mm-hmm. there forms of attack, if you like, which yeah. are different to the traditional kind of forms of attack that yeah. we face that we need to defend ourselves against? And I think any, frankly, anyone in their right mind who's looking at our particular situation, yeah. looking at what's affecting Muslims, looking at why a lot of Muslims are leaving Islam, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, will understand that there are there are lots of things. For example, especially, you know. Um, investing in institutions uh, and people, okay, institutions that will uh, can can train and uh, produce scholars, mm. right? Public intellectuals, theologians, philosophers who can actually promote, support, and promote our particular right. um, call it agenda. Do you think? Do you think it uh, can extend to commercial ventures as well? So I'm just thinking, you know, Facebook, uh, Google, mm. Amazon, etc. These are the unicorns that. Are going to control the next century sure. probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, would would Fisabila extend to I don't know grant funding or uh, seed funding for lots of different startups to try and find a unicorn? Um, I'm not sure. Like, I think the details of whether it's a commercial, non-commercial venture, and how that works, I think needs to be looked at, right? Yeah. Because the whole point, the problem with commercial ventures is yeah. it becomes about private gain, right? And the whole yeah. point of zakat is whatever it funds should have a communal gain mm. unless especially under fisa mm-hmm. yeah now under can you can you microfinance someone who is in poverty for them to start a business or whatever yes you can and they may become wealthy from that and then they yeah. can pay those a couple that's yeah. there is funding for private things fisa right. is a mm. public expenditure kind of see, right, cause yeah. if you understand yeah, me yeah, yeah. and so you were not providing there money for some you won't provide money through that route just because they have a good idea of the promotion of islam and whatever else right yeah so that they can make money off it, basically. Mm-hmm. But you may, you may, you may seed fund a charitable enterprise or yeah. a social enterprise, if you like. They can still operate 
uh, semi-commercially like they'll pay well, no, salaries they operate, yeah. yeah they can operate almost fully commercially in, yeah. in, in terms of how they operate and their principles and how mm. you know how they function but um, but in terms of their setup and they don't get prop yeah no yeah, right like, exactly it's no one's extracting like, profit yeah. out of it right um, interesting uh, so what about I just want to talk about some of the really practical like success um, stories that you've had mm. and what do you what do you guys practically do day to day yeah so uh, we have two programs now one is an economic empowerment program and a leadership investment program okay so these two programs we think now nicely contain the considerations underlying the eight categories of expenditure that are there so the economic empowerment program is all about receiving applications from individuals who are in distress and difficulty analyzing their situation and then attri- uh, spending a grant or we have a grant limit of two and a half thousand pounds per applicant okay and it's typically a th- an average is around a thousand pounds uh, where we are di- uh, directing this grant in such a way as to try to help them to uh, get onto their own kind of uh, two feet, if you like, be kind of self-sufficient to some yeah, minimum yeah. degree. Um, so we're working at the moment, so as I said, we're receiving a lot of applications coming through that side. So we're working at the moment on really enhancing our system so we can uh, we can kind of scale the number of applications that we can handle mm-hmm. at any one time. And would and would that I mean this is a relevant topic for us? We've done some videos recently on student loans. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, presumably some of these grants can help people avoid to some extent student loans. They can to a degree. They can, and we used to do some of that. But mm-hmm. now we have a very specific focus, which is that if the person applies when they're in financial distress, like owing to kind of like not not owing to sort of if you might call it you know luxury choices that they've made, right? But they're in a particular kind of dist- financial position now. Yeah. But the but ours we need to look at the situation and see that our support is not just going to for example, you know just delay their misery for another three months, right? But it's actually going to have an, a certain intervention hmm. that is going to significantly shift their situation so they're now yeah. self sufficient. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that's on that side. Then on the leadership investment program, we're doing two things. One is we have a development stream and a delivery stream. So the development stream is about funding what we call emerging leaders. Yeah. at the moment which is through supporting the educational or other costs that help them in their development journey so we mm. funded a number of people who are doing undergraduate Islamic studies or maybe postgraduate studies of some sort or different vocational kind of courses um, so that is upskilling emerging leaders and then in that process we're trying to get them to align to our stated vision mm. uh, which is for Islam to flourish in society right. as a source of prosperity and harmony for all so anyone who's aligned with that vision and then have a particular path we're trying to support that and in the delivery stream it's about supporting actual institutions so there you're helping somebody f- fundamentally a person or a group of people to go and deliver an actual project or an institution which again aligns with our uh, vision. So last year, just to give some examples, we've, we, I mean, last year, for example, we supported over two and a half thousand individuals in poverty uh, through yeah. the economic empowerment kind of work. Right, and through yeah. the leadership investment work, uh, we gave around 40 grants to individuals okay. uh, through our Muslim Leaders Development mm. Fund, which we did in mm. association with the Aziz Foundation. Um, and we supported projects like Cambridge Muslim College, I see. Uh, the Ramadan Tent Project, uh, Muslim Council of Britain's Visit My Mosque and their Centre for Media Monitoring. Um, so various projects, if you like. So all of these things come together now, you can see, to provide a diverse set of things that we're supporting for the purpose of uh, securing the future for Islam and Muslims in this country. I want to talk to you about, you know, what's your, what would be your ideal, you know, let's say we zoom forward to 10 years time and NZF is now a behemoth mm. and it's, you know, raking a lot more money and there's a lot more influence and a lot of the things that you've done right now are coming mm-hmm. to fruition. Mm-hmm. What's that, what does that end goal look like? Uh, I think look, the, the end goal is, is that 
there is no, so let's put it this way. The vision, it's not about necessarily 10 years or whatever, yeah? The vision is this, is that any need um, that either a Muslim has who's in difficulty, in poverty, in a personal sense, right, they're struggling with, uh, or for their kind of, if you like, their journey as an emerging kind of leader and contributor, right, or somebody who has an idea, a project idea, or an institutional idea that they're trying to, um, uh, they're trying to kind of give life to, that we are in a position as a community to make sure that, if you like, those those needs are matched, okay, with the funding that is required, alongside whatever else is required, you know, other forms of non-financial support, which are often critical to kind of make sure that the financial support is kind of worthwhile, um, just to make sure that all of that support is there. So right now, actually, if you look at the set of needs that exist in the community, right, and the actual supply of, um, uh, supply of support, any form of support, financial, non-financial, like there's a complete mismatch. Yeah. Mm. So huge demand and not much supply. Mm. And then you see, it's, that's why it's in that context that a hugely disproportionate um, kind of, if you like, exodus of resources yeah, to wherever, uh, for whatever purposes, is something that just doesn't make any sense. Right. Because um, too much of that is actually driven by uh, individual kind of concerns yeah so too much of that is driven by kind of the individual kind of concerns for if you like for reward right and to do a good deed good action so all well-meaning yeah and obviously to support people who are in like uh, significant hardship right? right from a material perspective but the problem is is that even in those situations there's a lot of ironies actually if you look at like the, the, the amount of uh, funds that go from this for Muslims in this country to kind of causes internationally. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? So, no, but the ironies are this, yeah? So the, the amount is, is one thing, but the, the irony is this, is that a um, couple of things. Number one, none of, very little of that, if any, is, is actually in the context of a vision for the future of Islam in any particular place. Hmm. That's right? true. So, number one, we should be thinking about, that's our, as Muslims, our objective is not poverty alleviation on earth. Hmm. That's not our objective. Yeah, our objective is to secure Islam on Earth, hmm. right? As a number one sort of communal objective. So our resources should be going behind that, and that objective can only be meaningfully achieved where we are as a starting point. If we haven't even gone even one percent along the way of the journey to hmm. to kind of uh, increase people's understanding and practice of Islam in our own cities, yes, or even neighborhoods, yeah, then let's not kid ourselves that we're somehow going to do this in a part of some international project or some on some notion of international unity that doesn't even really exist, to be honest, yeah, mm. in, except in maybe theoretical, abstract theoretical terms. So that's number one. Number two is that between us and wherever these kind of hotspots are of problems where people have like, dire need, there are billions of Muslim dollars, pounds, whatever, of Muslim money that should be dealing with those problems. Yeah. I mean, I always say this, for Pakistanis in this country who send money habitually back to Pakistan, there is enough money in Pakistan to deal with Pakistan. There is. No. That's a fact. So what is the thing of, like, why are we, think, why do we, like, are, you know, what's, what's the kind of um, rationale for us thinking that we, necess- we need to sort of compensate for the inability or the disorganization uh, or, or, or incompetence sometimes of people in different parts of the world to deal with mm. their, the particular issues? Like, that's something which I haven't quite fully understood, to yeah. be honest. I mean, well, to especially be fair, when yeah. our own situation is actually really dire. Fair. I mean, I, I think I take that last point. Uh, it might be, you know, 
it might be that there are places genuinely in the world where there exists. Of course, there are, no, there are some. There, there yeah. are some. But yeah. however, even having said that, you take any particular place in the Middle East. I mean, take the Middle East as a whole, hmm. right? I mean, look at even the situation in Yemen. Yeah. I mean, there are again, like there's there's billions of dollars, pounds of all around there, which are there for that situation. Which and the point that, is, yeah. is, I'm not saying that we don't help these things. I'm saying that certainly what we do need to do is, as a first instance is distinguish between the purpose of zakat, at least, yeah, which is a communal resource for believers in any particular place to actually provide the minimum layer of investment to, so that their own situation yeah, is secured. Right. That is a matter of communal obligation. Like mm. That's not something that we, uh, we are actually, you know, with all the best intentions in the world, yeah, diverting and fragmenting our zakat in a million different directions you know, based on people's personal preferences, is fundamentally undermining that pillar. Mm. That we are just that pillar does not exist for as long as that is going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. So even if all zakat was paid, it being dealt with in a completely haphazard manner and devoid of any connection to our higher or a more ultimate purpose than simply simply material mm. kind of um, dealing with material kind of problems. Yeah. Is there still the pillar will not fulfill its function. Yeah. So that's one thing to be uh, understood. And then when we think about our sadaqah, obviously that's a voluntary kind of form of uh, you know, voluntary charity. Now that's more in the kind of personal charity realm. Hmm. Then obviously, you know, we have a lot more, I suppose, scope then to do whatever to do what we, we can. can do, yeah. Even then, though, we should be thinking about, um, I would say, frankly, given the years of underinvestment in our own situation, yeah. right? And uh, given the fact that we have a lot of issues here, which we are more directly accountable for like i find it hard i say sometimes to people which is a difficult thought experiment perhaps but you know do we expect to turn up on the day of judgment and the first things that come up on our list of accountability is like the plight of muslims or people all around the world yeah as our first kind of like i find it hard to believe that that's yeah, going to be yeah. the first thing that we are going to be accountable for here mm. before uh what we did our to actually, future no no yeah. right exactly yeah what we exactly what we did to kind of if you like continue the um, sort of prophetic uh, sort of mandate or message, you know, in the particular area that we're mm. in. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's actually the difficult work that needs a lot more thought and needs a lot of investment, yeah. and it needs a, and it needs to be taken seriously because otherwise, like there is nothing to say that within two or three generations, yeah, there won't be there's, any significant yeah. Muslim presence in this yeah, country yeah. anymore. I mean, there's that hadith, isn't there, about how uh, everyone's responsible for their own flock? Yeah, and it doesn't say, you know, next man's flock. It's, it says your flock yeah. and the man is responsible for his family, the woman is responsible for uh, the kids and the household and um, without, you know, making any, you know, going into feminism. Um, I wouldn't suggest you do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, you know, that it, it gives you a very specific, um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, sphere within which... Exactly, you, so you have you this idea of spheres of concern and spheres of influence. Hmm. And I'm saying, it's not that we can't influence situations around the world, but I'm saying, you know, even all this international work relies heavily on local knowledge, local understanding, yeah. local kind of um, intelligence. And where it's devoid of that, oftentimes it doesn't work. Yeah. But the point being is that, again, I just really want to emphasize the point that it's not, it's not about, like, you know, doing that work in, 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 like, what we do is we take this idea of giving or sadaqah or whatever from the kind of uh, various things that, you know, if you like, the... Um, mandates within Islam we separate it out from all the other aspects and then we just go and make a big sort of industry almost out of this particular thing hmm. and in and and then we have really we if you look around and you ask yourself right now what is really the difference in terms of you know the sadaqah that is given and how it's administered and what it actually achieves 
what is the difference between what Muslims give and what Muslim organizations administer and how they do things? What is the difference between that and how, um, and, and just kind of secular, if you like, philanthropy yeah, yeah, or charitable yeah. giving or whatever? In many instances, there isn't much difference. I'm not saying mm. there's never any difference, but I'm saying in many instances, there isn't much difference. Mm. It's like raised in the name of Allah, if you like, often given the name of Allah, but then spent just for, for in the name of humanity or philanthropy or mm. whatever, devoid of any actual connection to uh, the higher purpose. Yeah. Right? And it's very important for us to understand the Prophet wasallam was not just um was not just going around dealing with poverty in 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 you know as an end in and of itself, you mm. know, like removed from any other kind of purpose. No, he had an ultimate goal and purpose and mission. And everything else that was going on formed part of that yeah. overarching vision yeah. for 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 human beings. For achieving that. Yeah. Uh, two quick questions uh, before we wrap up on this. So one, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, the kind of scholars that you've that you work with and um, that you consult with, etc. Because, you know, that's in our in our community, that's you know, you look to um, as uh, you know sources of authority, frankly. Yeah. Um, and and then the other thing that I wanted to touch upon is, what would your advice be, really quickly, on uh, you know, for young Muslims who are maybe coming out of university, going into university, where should they be focusing their energies um, from your understanding of what the Muslim community needs? And um, yeah, so, so where, where should they be focusing? Yeah, okay. So the, obviously two quite different questions. So the first one is, um, I mean, I would just say this much that I actually am not, um, I, I'm not fond of the idea of, uh, uh, if you like, um, leveraging the names of individual kind of scholars yeah, right for the purposes of um i don't know like marketing uh, yeah exactly basically yeah or to say yeah. because there's loads of problems associated with that right like there's um you know there's there's uh uh there are i will say that 95 percent of what we do with with zakar funds yeah. even the most conservative uh, even the most conservative um, jurists, if you like, in this country, you know, uh, uh, could not have a problem with by their own uh, definition yeah. of what yeah, yeah, yeah. counts as eligible or not, right? Mm. So even in this whole leadership kind of space, a lot of this kind of stuff that we were doing in supporting individuals with course costs or whatever have have been verified um, historically by scholars who are very kind of coming from a very kind of conservative approach when it came to u- utilizing you know zakar funds in right. fact a lot of them praise that work yeah so really where there's only con- where the only contention is is where for example we are using funds to support for example say a post at a particular institution yeah where the funding is not related to whether that person is poor or not in a technical sense but it's related to the work that they're doing and why yeah, they're doing yeah, it yeah. because our premise is is that under Fisa Bidila and one other and you know and even the uh, winning hearts kind of categories, mm. the person doesn't have to be poor to receive zakat because you're not giving them zakat because they're poor. You're giving yeah, them zakat yeah. because of what it's going to achieve. So it's not their poverty is mm. irrelevant, right? Whereas the others say no, poverty is relevant across the board. Mm. You know, so this is a classical kind of issue or difference. Discussion, yeah. Yeah. So what we do, what we do is try to present uh, clearly and carefully what our rationale is for what we're doing that has scholarly input, but not mm. in such a way that we're trying to. You know, um, because this scholar said, because the, look, the average person, frankly, does not know how to evaluate. Yeah. Like you say, this person said, that person said, mm. well, so what then? So, you know, already, like, or it's already, it's already the case that, um, you know, scholars in this country and around the world, in fact, mm. recent, at, the, at the end of last year, um, one of our, our in-house kind of, if you like, scholars, so we have someone called uh, Mufti Faraz Adam who works, uh, he's, he lives in Leicester and he, he's effectively our head of research, right? Mm. 
So he went and presented along with our chairperson to, uh, at the World Zakar Forum in Malaysia. Yeah, and they also met with some scholars in Saudi on the way. Um, and, you know, they were met with a lot, a huge amount of approval, praise mm-hmm. and support for the work they were doing. Yeah, and how we're thinking about zakat, right? Mm. Uh, by governments, yeah, who are handling right. zakat in some of these countries, by zakat institutions right, see, yeah, and scholars, yeah. So that's like the um, the rationale exists, and we present it. So people can make up their own mind, and they can consult whoever they want mm. to consult. And if any other scholar wants to approve of our work, then they are free to do so, right? Yeah. In the public realm. So that's how I see that kind of question. Um, like I keep it, try to keep it kind of unspecific. Having said that, yes, there have definitely been some key individuals in this journey who mm. supported it and have facilitated it and have, I suppose, shed shed light uh, in ways that, um, you know, in unique ways and in ways that many, yeah. many haven't been able to. And I think ultimately, really in a way, it comes down to not, you know, which scholar says what, because the scholar isn't going to be doing the day-to-day work, because that's frankly where, um, you know, the, the nitty-gritty of what yeah. NZF does, yeah. it happens. Yes. It ultimately comes down to, I think, trust in right. you guys as it, the organisation. Right, it's so come down to trust, which is built, for some people, is built heavily on that component. Fine, yeah. But that's why we still provo- pro- we will still present what we think are is scholarly work to support what we're doing. Right. And then there's the actual work itself. But fundamentally, yeah, if, if any, anyone who's listening to this, right, that uh, it really, in the end, comes down to this. Because we know, on all, as we said earlier, right, on all issues, yeah, you're going to have a diversity of opinions. Right. Yeah, so can you wipe your socks or not when it comes to, you know, performing your yeah, for example, yeah, yeah. yeah? Fundamental issue, frankly, as far as the validity of salah, etc. Yeah, et yeah, yeah. In the end, in the end, like, there's a whole diverse set of opinions on that, like thickness of socks and this and that and situation, blah, 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 whatever. In the end, everyone actually is going to make their own choices. Hmm. We are actually in a situation right now where we kind of, we appeal to scholarly authority on the one hand, but in reality, there is no binding scholarly kind mm. of thing on anyone, right, unless they choose to submit some themselves yeah, completely yeah, entirely yeah. to particular, which, which is becoming yeah. not the norm at all now. Yeah. So it is a matter of actually personal conscience in a way. Agreed. Or agreed. a personal alignment to what. So they said Muslims just, as far as Zakar is concerned, mm. you basically, if you're a Zakar paying Muslim, you just need to basically make a decision. Yeah? Yeah. Does it make more sense yeah. to you that Zakar is a random, individually administered act of charity as long as it does something good anywhere, then that's fine. Yeah. That's the wisdom of why Allah has instituted this pillar of Islam. Yeah. Or is it something which you're paying alongside other Muslims to contribute to a unified pot, which then in turn goes mm. and deals with certain considerations that secures the future of Islam and Muslims yeah. where, where you are? See, this is this is where you know I, I like NZF. I've historically always liked them because they focus locally. But the really other thing that I like about about you guys, not necessarily that I you know will agree entirely with everything you do, because sure. you never get an organisation right. like you, that. You right? will by the time you leave the building. <laughs> yeah. um, but the but the thing that I like is the the sincerity with which you approach the the task of working out exactly what we're actually up to, mm. which I don't think is done very deeply with a lot of other organisations. Mm. Um, and and frankly, you know, even you know. Every organisation that I'm involved in, mm. um, I think we would benefit. Perhaps IFG, we need to have a real think. I mean, we have recently been having a real think about what it is that we're trying to do and the impact that we want to create. Mm. So I, I really welcome that, and and, and I, that's you know personally why I you know continue with you know giving my uh, direct debit zagath to uh, NZF, mm. which varies according to you know my inter- the interpretation of zagath that I adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah but finally on, on in yeah, terms of yeah in terms of you know where people should focus yeah what would your thoughts be like I think um, 
it, you can't give a specific uh, you cannot give a specific direction to obviously where individuals should focus their individual kind of attention and their kind of thing. But uh, every young Muslim should ask themselves, you know, uh, what what is it what is it that they're doing and how are they developing themselves to address specific concerns that are um, affecting, if you like, the um, uh, the flourishing of Islam, yeah, uh, and therefore the flourishing of human beings. That's what people should be asking themselves, because ultimately, um, you know, the uh, the life worth living in the end, right, beyond uh, one where uh, an individual finds a personal uh, relationship and connection you know, with the divine, is to facilitate that for other people. Mm. Yeah, and that is fundamentally what our task is. Yeah, to be witnesses uh, for God amongst people and to be facilitators of. Uh, guidance and uh, insight and illumination for others, and so every young person needs to ask themselves, "How are they? How are they going to be sources of that?" Mm. You know? And what I find is that people, you know, in fact, just yesterday I was with a, one of the London universities. You know, the Islamic Society invited me to do a session with some of the students, and I find that sometimes, you know, understandably so, like people at the age at university sort of age, they present a lot of generalities in terms of what mm. they, you know, what is inspiring them. But, no. but when when pressed, they can't actually make a specific connection between what they're currently doing and this vague, distinct Idea, objective yeah. of I don't know serving on my quote unquote. Yeah. Well, what does that even mean? Mm. Yeah. How are you going to go and do that? What's your current degree and your current occupation and your other kind of studies that you're doing or whatever it is? Like, what's how is how are you seeing the How's connection between this yeah. and that basically? Now that's a self constant uh, journey of discovery and a constant journey of um, you know sort of development. So it's not like everything needs fixed instantaneous answers. But that's be and um, I think being in that intense process of reflection and an experimentation that aligns with that, I think is really critical because otherwise um, you can go from one thing to the other like a kind of uh, just a you know a boat in the kind of uh, in the storm really yeah, just yeah, floating yeah. this way and that way as opposed yeah. to uh, as opposed to a proper having you know, a focus yeah. speedboat that's actually kind of going where it needs to go <laughs> right with the NZF labeling on the side well perhaps or whatever it is yeah but. Um, so that's it, really. Yeah, I think no. that's that because that's what uh, that is what leadership. That's what leadership, or the kind of leadership yeah, that yeah, we yeah. need, is the kind of leadership that we need is the leadership that actually. My my definition of leadership that I use is the is it, in my understanding of what aligns with the Quranic usage of the term is uh, the leader being the one who facilitates the straight path for those who are on it and makes it more accessible for those who are not. Right. Yeah. So if that's an acceptable de- yeah, rough yeah, definition yeah. of what leadership is. Then and if leadership is something to be aspired to, yeah, which it is according to the uh, Quranic narrative, then uh, then every young person needs to ask himself, well, how am I going to go and do that? Basically, brilliant. Well, Jazakallah uh, well for your time, um, and you know, I, th- I think it's been it's been really interesting. Uh, we're not once have you really. Uh, I think we've we've talked a lot about the the essence of zakat and you know the real tussles that you guys are engaged in day to day, which I think is um, which is, I think is the really important stuff when it comes to Zagat and comes to these these matters. So Jazakallah khair for your time. Um, if you've if you guys have benefited from this then please do check out NZF's website and what the work they do. Um, do subscribe and uh, you know uh, leave your reviews and comments on the iTunes um, yeah, this is a commercial side of me coming out uh, and um, leave, leave your comments and Ibrahim will deal with all of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah do, do uh, yeah um, check out NZF and um, 
we look forward to uh, uh, to talking to you again shortly. And don't and don't take one thing I said in uh, you know and and then take that take that out like the Daily Mail and basically analyze that statement and then make a big deal out of that one. Yeah? <laughs> you have to look at it in context of the whole. We, the whole we'll thing. be we'll be uh, we'll be uh, splicing it all together on YouTube. Okay. NZF NZF <laughs> denounces whatever. No, we, do <laughs> no, we won't do that. Uh, but yeah, Jazakallah Khair, Iqbal, and Assalamu uh, Alaikum.